Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. Neither one of us have forearms, which means that this is The Short Stuff about Venus de Milo. Let's go. That's right. Who resides in the Louvre? Right. Uh, I think since 1821 when Louis the, what is that, 28th, 18th? 18th. No. Yeah, the 18th. Man, you threw me off. I always forget how to read those. It's been a while. Yeah, Louis the 18th donated Venus de Milo, one of the most famous, dare I say, statues in the world. Yeah. Also, just as a little aside, Chuck, if you ever kind of get tripped up by something like that, you're talking to somebody, just swap it out for like a word like Louis the Magnificent, but say it authoritatively and right. the person will think that that's the, the name for that particular Louis. Right. Louis the Overeater. Right. Sure. Exactly. So, yeah. So the, the, the Venus de Milo first ended up in Paris in 1821. And apparently that was um, that was a really good timing because the the nation of France was kind of in the doldrums as far as art is concerned, right? Yeah, there's a, a gentleman that'll make a couple of appearances in this episode. His name is Andrew Stewart, and uh, I think he's a professor, right? Art art historian and professor? Yeah, professor of Greek studies at UC Berkeley, emeritus, too. Oh, well. Yeah, the guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, so apparently France, uh, they needed their national pride kind of picked up and apparently Venus uh, went a long way toward doing that. Yeah, because Napoleon had sacked a bunch of uh, countries and city-states and nations' art collections. Yeah, plundered. And after the French Revolution, um, well, no, that was way after the French Revolution. After Napoleon was banished, we'll say that. Mm -hmm. France had to give back a lot of that art, so the Louvre kind of got sacked in reverse. And then also the big, dumb rival England— from France's vantage point, of course, not mine, had just acquired the Elgin Marbles, uh, which meant that they had a some sculpture by the greatest sculpture of antiquity known to humanity, Phaedius. Phaedius. Yeah, I got it. Um, so the Venus de Milo comes along and they're like, this, this, this is the most important thing ever found. Let's um, bandy it about as much as possible as such. Yeah, and the whole thing with Venus de Milo is sort of the mystery surrounding the origins and who the artist was and who maybe she had been, she may have been, and mm -hmm. and of course the big question is two questions: what happened to those arms, right? And what were those arms are doing, right? Before they were broken off, which I have to admit I'd never thought of until reading this. Oh, really? Yeah, I just never thought of uh, her arms were doing anything of note. <laughs> It's kind of weird now that I think about it. But the funny thing is, is that, like you said, she's shrouded in mystery as to her identity. But the one thing we know for certain she is not is Venus, the goddess of love to Rome. She was Greek and produced by the Greeks. So she would have been Aphrodite at best. 
Mm-hmm. But we're not even sure she's Aphrodite. She could be a number of other people that have been proposed or a num- number of other goddesses. And it didn't even have to be a goddess, right? No, it didn't. I saw that um, she could have been an everyday person. But also, um, she was found on Milosh, uh, the Greek island, which was really engaged in the sea as far as trade and fishing and all that. So, some people have supposed that she was um, actually Amphrodite. Amphrodite? Is there an R in there? Amphitrite. Am- Thank you, Chuck. Yeah. Um, that she's the goddess of the sea, Poseidon's old lady, if as far as bikers would say. Yeah, and <laughs> and Venus was always thought to be classical, but I think they did enough digging and found that she was actually neoclassical uh, and not classical, although they say they sometimes still refer to her as a masterpiece of the classical uh, classical genre. Yeah, because she, again, kind of carries France's national ego on her shoulders. Um, so the idea that she was, you know, created by some unknown master far back in antiquity um, in the classical period is is kind of, you know, part of France's pride in this thing. But supposedly, yeah, they figured out there was a German archaeologist named Adolf, seriously, Furtwängler. I love that man's last name. <laughs> Furtwängler. Who, that's even better. Yeah. Who basically said, yeah, she's, she's neoclassical. You can tell from how she's dressed. But then I guess they also, when she was found, they discovered a pedestal that had the sculptor's signature um, that showed that she was very clearly created um, by a guy named Alexandros of Magnesia, not to be confused with the milk of Magnesia. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but that would be, uh, but then they lost it. They they conveniently lost this pedestal and, and said, no, no, this this is clearly uh, created by one of the masters. We just don't know which one. Right. So good setup. I think we should take a little break mm-hmm. and talk about those arms. And Dinah know about the arms right okay. after this. Well, now when you're on the road... Driving in your truck, why not learn a thing or two from Josh and Chuck? It's Stuff You Should Know. All right. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. King's Island is now open on weekends. Yeah, so, again, never thought that her arms were doing anything. I think I just assumed she was being like, like, hey, how's it going? I'm just like, holding my hands up? out here. <laughs> yeah, or maybe like, I don't know, kind of thing. 
Um, but there, there has been a lot of debate about what was going on with her arms. Apparently, at some point, an arm that would fit this statue, the Venus de Milo, um, an arm holding an apple was mm-hmm. found. And they think it's possible, some people think it's possible, that that was originally attached to the Venus de Milo. Yeah, and we should also point out there were some other things missing uh, from the original statue. Like, originally, she supposedly had metal jewelry, uh, bracelet, earrings, and a headband Mm -hmm. because there are little fixation holes on those places in her body. And they think that um, she might have also been painted at one point. Yeah. And now that had faded away. And then the arms were, I guess maybe some people might think, if they've never looked into it, that she never had the arms. But yeah. They were broken off because you can see where the there were the dowel rods and everything um, because it wasn't carved as one big piece. You know, these arms were put on afterward. But, um, yeah, like you said, they found an arm with an apple. And some people were like, well, yeah, she was holding an apple in one of those hands. Which actually fits. There's a Greek myth called the um, Judgment of Paris about a mythological um, contest between Aphrodite, the goddess of love, Hera, uh, Zeus's wife and Athena, the goddess of war. And um, this contest between them was won by Aphrodite and the prize was an apple. So this would have kind of commented on the judgment of Paris and Aphrodite winning this. And apparently it's symbolic of like the choice that uh, that people have in life or that men back in ancient Greece had. Mm-hmm. Right. So like um, your your choice in life was between love, war and politics. Right. Aphrodite, Athena or Hera. Um, and that Aphrodite won. Like people wanted to they wanted they wanted to live with their heart. That's what this statue symbolized in that sense. Yeah. And that's one take on it. Um, I like this other one a lot. Uh, this the woman, Elizabeth Wayland Barber, who's professor emerita of archaeology mm-hmm. and linguistics at Occidental College which I used to live near, so I'm all about that. Okay. Um, she says, you know what, I think, and, the, and she even did like this uh, 3D renderings to sort of prove her point. She said, I think she was a regular lady who was weaving um, thread. And she said, if you look at the angle of the back, and, and ladies were doing all this textile work back then, mm-hmm. if you look at her positioning and the way she was leaning and even where exactly she was looking – it looks to me like she was spinning thread, and they, if you, you know, if you look online, she has their pictures of her uh, 3D rendered spinning the thread, mm-hmm. and it looks real enough to me for someone who knows nothing about sped, uh, thread spinning. Well, also, not only that, apparently the musculature of her shoulders and arms um, would be about what you would expect for somebody who is spinning. She makes it's a, a weird a position. Really good, yeah. Well, she makes a really good case, but also she, this doesn't even need to be a statue of a, uh, just an ordinary person. Cause apparently she says Aphrodite was also the uh, goddess of spinning as oh, well true. as the goddess of procreation and love. Um, so this would fit still anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I did see another thing that, said, you know, from the angle of her back that they said it was one of those things where retroactively you look back and it was like, you know, did Mona Lisa have a disease or something? And they said, did Venus de Milo have some sort of spinal condition? Because hmm. when you look at the way her back is twisted and angled, it is a very irregular um, route for the spine. But, you know, it's also a statue. Is it one of those things that would be that would be explained by the spinning position? Well, I mean... 
it, it she says it matches what could have been a spinning position, but mm-hmm. a spinning position could have been hard on your back, maybe. I don't know. I would guess it would be hard on your back for sure. Doesn't sound I'd like something it. I'd want to do. So the Venus de Milo, if you haven't ever seen it, go see it. It's pretty neat. Uh, it's in the Louvre. You can get there pretty easily, especially uh, if you are vaccinated against COVID-19. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, since uh, I said COVID-19, everybody, that means short stuff is out. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.